Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of D4 Data Channel Podcast. I'm your host Deepak and with me we have Mr. Ramsri Gautam. Ramsri has over a decade of experience working in a variety of startups and he has been exploring and building a lot of innovative AI based SaaS solutions. His question AI and super meme AI solutions have a significant market presence and are uh, recognized widely. So today we are uh, talking a lot about various NLP applications and uh, it's great to have you here today Ramsri and uh, thank you for accepting my invite. Thanks a lot Deepak it's my pleasure to be here. I've been following your content on LinkedIn for quite some time but uh, great to chat in person and yeah looking forward. Thank you thank you. Great to great to hear actually. So, uh, yeah, so I have a couple of questions for you today and uh, starting with this one. So, uh, which NLP application is most widely used in the business world? Hmm. Uh, I would say most recently semantic search. So, vector embeddings from text and uh, building semantic search applications. Uh, Since I've been also doing AI freelancing, uh, quite a lot of... uh, you know, uh, uh, people who approach approach it either for semantic search or uh, any GPT-3 based uh, applications in the recent times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I think I think your solution also might be resembling something towards a vector embeddings. I think, right? Yeah. In Super Meme, we do have a component where there is meme search. So semantic meme search, you can search with okay. emotions, etc., and find relevant memes. We also have vector embeddings and you know vector database retrieval. Uh, we are using PineCon at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Pretty cool. So, uh, so what are your thoughts on NLP's market share in comparison with other AI fields at this moment? Hmm. I think uh, if you go back a few years. Uh, NLP's market share when compared with computer vision or traditional machine learning was not big enough. Uh, mostly it was limited to you know building search and other things and of course if you have unprocessed data then uh, some applications built on top of that some summarization and other things. Uh, but what happened I think in the recent times one was with vector search uh, a lot of new applications have come up where they can build more sophisticated systems in search and beyond that uh, uh, GPT-3 and even hugging face right so because of the transformer based models and all the things now all the classification accuracies and if you build any algorithms it could be text generation like summarization or any other thing the Accuracies have improved uh, to a great extent because of transformer based models, of course. And uh, because of that, now large scale companies are also deploying this in production, like BERT has been deployed by many companies in production, either for classification or even, um, you know, when recommendation systems are built previously, they, they used to be very high level built on top of Elasticsearch, etc. Now you can go much deeper and build complex recommendation systems, both with transformer embeddings as well as, uh, you know, deep neural nets and uh, even MLOps to certain extent. Now, since MLOps has also grown to the point that you can 
deploy complex solutions at a relatively faster inference that also propelled the growth growth <clears throat> so i i do come from a, a bit of varied background within this domain in the sense that i started out as computer vision engineer in 2011 and till 2018 i pretty much stuck with computer vision or little bit of traditional machine learning uh, and only in 2018 because we were building a startup that had nlp focus i got into nlp in mid 2018 etc and uh, so far i stayed with nlp because i could find interesting applications as well as i saw that that has uh, shown the biggest delta in the last few years so yeah that's my take on it that's that's great to hear actually so and uh, when i started actually like i was mainly uh, like uh deploying the stuff using uh, elmo embedding and that gave so much confidence actually and once the bird uh, space came like then then things started improving a lot actually i could see that significant improvement right as you said i also followed that path where you have first contextual embeddings with elmo then uh, you have universal sentence encoder Correct. then came bird and other things prior to that you have word vector embeddings right so i followed that yes. path quite well yeah great great so my next question so do you think that transfer learning has increased companies trust in nlp investment um i would say it's a bit 50 50 in the sense that with transformer based models uh, there are definitely companies and libraries that uh, that come in the place of explainability of these models as well um but um, one way was that companies lost a little bit of explainability because previous models were kind of more or less you know more explainable than transform based ones because right now you talk about attention and you have attention maps and all those things but still uh, in one way when it comes to critical applications you know it could be like medical etc where people want to have stronger baseline of taking that call uh, why a certain prediction is made etc because i worked with couple of companies aroge ai they use uh, medical data for uh, tb detection and early diagnosis and you know other things um, so i could foresee when it comes to sensitive applications involving medical data etc there was still like quite a bit of resistance but when it comes to you know general commercial applications where recommendation systems and other things like paraphrasing or any other summarization was involved definitely it's a human in the loop system and nothing is mission critical right so people were definitely uh, very interested in using transform based models and uh, i i think in when it comes to adoptability there are also few companies in the no code space or auto ml space that kind of automate the training pipelines right so if you have just text data or some other data where you have tagged them manually right now you can just use the data and train a model prior to that you know without auto ml or some kind of low code or no code tools it would have been really complex you should have a machine learning engineer and you know pay them well and other things a dedicated machine learning engineer and now people with software engineering background can get a hang of it 
and you know deploy something in like two or three weeks uh, with auto ml or some kind of low code no code tool so that also improved the adoptability so there are uh, two sides to it uh, some pros and cons yeah okay okay sure yeah yeah that that actually clarifies a lot of things <laughs> so uh, yeah so which nlb frameworks are most commonly used in enterprise level applications or solutions hmm. um i think when it comes to you know enterprise level applications of course spacey nltk all these are quite popular and uh, hugging face transformers and uh, similar things built on transformer models or you know when it comes to uh, applications uh, in semantic search there are several libraries like haystack pinecone vv8 and all these right so quite a lot of them are uh, being used because people reach out for semantic search and i suggest some and they tell me later after one month that they have implemented it in their company actually so i kind of see that okay it has reduced the barrier for uh, easy adoptability uh, and uh, yeah so mostly the traditional libraries that we use ranging from spacey and ltk to uh, transformer based uh, libraries yeah these ones do, do you think that the adoption of these wrappers built on top of transformers and everything like becoming very popular uh, nowadays in production um i think there are definitely several pros to it because you know whether it is making transformers training and deployment easier there are several libraries built on top of transformers to make it easier right training and other things right. um and uh, beyond that similarly for semantic search as well uh, like libraries built on top of existing vector databases etc they definitely increase the adoptability and ease of use for uh, common folks who are transitioning from software background into nlp and uh, the cons being that any library or any thing needs to be maintained if if a developer kind of just brings it up and then uh, does not have time to maintain it it doesn't increase the adoptability simply because if someone is deploying something in production they want it kind of badly tested or most edge cases kind of taken care of or uh, you know supported by that library but uh, uh, i would say 90 95% of the libraries are kind of hobbyist libraries so i over a weekend see that something could be built and i build on top of that great for uh, quite a lot of people to actually take it as a starting point and then explore further uh, but there are always pros and cons unless you maintain it to a good level uh then uh, adaptability will not uh, be that uh, widespread as well yeah right right yeah so the biggest issue which i actually uh, observed is like hmm. uh, often in production there have been multiple conflicts when it comes to these kind of exactly. packages and when we dockerize or anything like it is sometimes it's very tedious if you are not yeah. under so for that reason most of the times we actually switch back to the original version or the original root one right. and then start building on it very true i have seen it many times where sometimes i have to go to a specific commit 
to make sure that that is the only commit that works and things like that right so there are uh, right. several uh, complexities involved because some of the libraries also mention in their setup just the li external libraries that they are using they don't even they don't use version so what happens is that when in, in the future when you are building it again uh, if the version is upgraded on pip to another new one all this build fails then you need to see what's the perfect configuration that works so there's uh, quite a lot of challenges of course dockerizing and deploying as well yeah. correct yeah so my next question so uh, what is the major obstacle in the acceptance of uh, nlp use cases in market Hmm. Um, I think uh, as long as we are increasing human productivity and in non-mission critical applications, people are okay with it. For example, you know, nowadays copywriters, AI copywriters have become very popular where you can write blogs with AI, etc. So if it can bring in a delta for somebody where it can increase the workflow, etc. People are generally accept, uh, you know, very acceptance, uh, acceptive of that, and they are quite comfortable using that. Uh, but like I mentioned, with more power comes more responsibility, and if you are able to provide something with transformers, but you cannot explain, uh, then that becomes a problem. The reason why I say is even when I am building question, it's just a quiz generation app. From text, you can generate these multiple choice questions to our calls. But real world use cases are quite complicated. Uh, what they look for is when someone selected, let's say a kid is answering, taking the quiz, and they selected choice C instead of B, they are looking for explainability why choice C is wrong and uh, why you should go for choice B. For example, sometimes. Um, in quizzes, when you select the wrong answer, in uh, you might have taken Coursera courses as well, right? So there's a small text box that comes why that wrong, why that answer is wrong, etc. So a real-world production use case deployment, people expect quite a lot, uh, and uh, it's challenging to get up to the point of delivering all those things, right? So uh, I think that's mainly the adaptability problem where people kind of, I mean, when a lot of, uh, a lot of um, like ed tech and medical tech and other domains, what they do is their reference is human baseline. And uh, prior to transformers, you could not even compete with humans. So you would never deploy such solutions. Now you can compete with humans but the problem is that who are coming from a non-AI or non-technical background, they kind of anticipate human level performance. So when you try to deliver that and fail, that becomes a problem. That's a challenge. So quite a lot of times, like when people approach me for consulting, etc., right? I have this problem where people are expecting quite a lot from it. So before taking up the job or anything, I, I kind of bring them on a baseline of what can be possible with current state-of-the-art NLP, why there could be short term, uh, shortcomings in some areas, 
and why we need human in the loop system so when they are on board with all of these then only i feel comfortable to move forward um because uh, definitely i think when you are coming from a non ai background and you don't know the capabilities of it uh, whenever it goes wrong you look at it in a hard light than researchers who develop models that's definitely there correct true true i agree to that so uh so over to the next point so like uh, the application which you have built so question.ai so could you explain a bit about that particular application and the motive yeah. behind that particular application definitely so back in 2018 uh, we were me and my co-founder then we were exploring uh, ideas at the intersection of ai and edtech since she was from edtech background and uh, quite a lot of things it was pre covid so there were all these video analytics on uh, live classes that was one big area then uh, recommendation adaptive learning to students and content showing content adaptively that was one area and the quiz generation automated quiz generation was one area we were looking at what current state of the art ai can deliver and match it with current use case that's happening in edtech and out of the three ideas we almost spoke to 80 or 100 companies and uh, heard multiple times that uh, they are outsourcing their quiz creation process the question generation process and we thought why don't we come in here and play but in 2018 it was a complex challenge because the transformer based i would say t5 and other <clears throat> transformers haven't really been in uh, widespread use or come into play so uh, whatever we used to build with uh, lstm based systems were not that good so uh, but anyways i we realized that the problem is ripe for disruption and we went on board and we raised pre seed etc but uh, when we were raising our seed round unfortunately we had to close down company because of internal conflicts between the co-founders and uh, Uh, we completely closed down the company and i moved back to india from singapore and then i realized why don't i take a blended approach where move uh, with the progress which is as nlp models are developing and t5 and other things are coming up and inference is also ml ops is also scaling up for text to text generation let me try and take this problem at the intersection of ai and edtech and do independent research that's what i did Uh, by doing part-time consulting, I started doing independent research. Released a GitHub library uh, along with few interns. Most work was done by them. And uh, after GitHub library in uh, 2021, at beginning of 2021, I created a course, Udemy course, that currently stands at $6,500 in revenue. And uh, last year, about around this time. i realized okay now that uh, i got up you know i could build some independent research in question question generation and i see that there is a course that made money and uh, there's a github library that's growing why don't i make a saas out of it like an offering where you can paste in text and just questions get questions in seconds and um, i i always wanted to operate on abstractions 
since I didn't want to hire a full stack developer and support that all those funds, etc. I thought how, what's the leanest way possible and then uh, thought of, uh, heard about bubble.io. It's a no code tool to create uh, front, uh, full stack apps. Then I learned that for about a month and built my MVP and slowly started learning each bit, which is uh, signups, logins, authentication, then uh, landing page building and copywriting for landing page, then SEO of landing page, then Stripe integrations and other payment integrations. So it's almost like I had something up and running. Slowly I was learning and applying it to a real world project. Most people do a project and do it in you know their own collab notebook or something but i was doing a real world project that is already in production uh, so that that's how i learned quite a lot of things as well as you know using gpt3 in parts wherever it is necessary combining it with uh, tech uh, t5 transformer models and other nlp techniques even uh, so when building question i got a strong overview of how you can combine gpt3 cost effectively with uh, t5 or text generation models and using semantic search vector embedding components with sentence transformers sbert etc so i use all of these in production in question and if not for anyone else for me it was like perfect text bed to learn all the state-of-the-art nlp technologies and put together in a real world product uh, glad that currently it's profitable and it is at $400 monthly revenue. Uh, let's see where it goes, but so far so good. Yeah. Great, great, great. That's, that's actually a great uh, thing to hear and uh, you have put a lot of efforts and I could see actually like a lot of uh, stacks, stack like that uh, entire, it's a, it's a big stack actually like comprising of so many components and it's, I know that's not pretty uh, easy to build such a thing like and you have built it with less manpower so that's that's pretty cool and uh, so coming to the next uh, tool like regarding super meme so like uh, it's it's pretty interesting application and i haven't seen an application like this to be honest so what is the inspiration behind this one hmm. i actually it's a it's a it's a very interesting junction in the sense that uh, starting this year so I, I started learning more and more about creator economy and startups and everything, right? Then I realized that, okay, question is doing great. It's found its perfect niche at the intersection of edtech and uh, AI. But uh, I've seen people hitting 10,000 users in you know three months of launch and other things. Then I realized that entertainment has the highest target mar uh, market so they talk about tam target addressable market and other things right so then of course if you build something where common audience on the road can understand then you have the highest target market but of course competition is also like that but simply in south india we know right movies has can draw the highest amount of crowd and all those things and that's a very big business in itself. So you have to have that for in order to gain any kind of virality, you need to have that virality embedded within the product itself. And if it's entertainment, everyone can understand it. So uh, 
once i i think uh, for most of the things in hindsight everything is uh, common sense for humans right of course right now i say it and it looks like common sense but when you are building apps it's not really that straightforward then i realized okay why don't we do something at the intersection of ai and again entertainment and in some sense that idea as well as the super meme idea kind of came at the same time uh, so randomly i was thinking about ideas that we could do so there was a very secondary baseline for me that i could take which is copy.ai had the massive success with gpt3 which is essentially you want to offer something to small and medium businesses smbs where they cannot outsource something for $1000 at the same time they cannot they don't have the skill to build it themselves if you create some level of augmentation at $50 price point or $30 price point per hour they got to i think 1 million annual recurring revenue etc and we saw that there was huge growth there so i was kind of looking at that and trying to see what else can we do in the similar space and replicate that success in slightly different area now it is copywriting or blog writing what's the next thing you have content creation where there are tools like canva and other things and uh, of course when you observe social media deeply you cannot ignore memes because every three or four post memes come in right then i realized okay can we do something for memes and uh, can we automatically generate memes and i created a few prompts with gpt3 and it was doing fairly well that means most people think uh, ai can't be humorous or sarcastic etc right so i tested with few prompts and uh, they're pretty decent i mean maybe it will not be top 1% memers but an average person uh, who's you know humor sense and creativity is kind of okayish gpt3 was able to compete or slightly outrun them then i thought why don't we build this into a product and uh, then came the interesting part where i i announced it publicly and other things then uh, i've been following few people uh, who would fit in well because this time i didn't want to build everything myself like i did for question because it's a secondary project and i wanted that to be lightweight on me if it goes big then i can jump on it as the primary project but just for building it i didn't want to burn time effort and everything and also i got i pitched it to two people and they joined uh, as co-founders and kind of like i always say that idea has no value like every day you wake up you get an idea so idea without execution has absolutely zero value that's why i i don't really take any credit for the idea because i think everyone gets the idea it's only because there was a full stack developer nico he is based out of netherlands and i saw him on twitter for some time and he was building an app called, app called ship sas basically it's a framework to build sas fast and i love modern tech so i pitched to him and he was on board then i saw sanjeev who makes memes big time he has viral memes on linkedin and twitter then i thought uh, perfect again because there should be a memer who is the ceo/the face of the company 
then there should be an AI component that's handled by me. Then there should be a full stack app and development part. So I, we think we found the perfect trio. And in three weeks or four weeks, we launched our MVP. Then uh, we started, most of our growth happened through LinkedIn, Twitter. And then we launched on Product Hunt and we got to Product Hunt number one. And uh, fortunately, we are nearing almost 10,000 user signups. And that's a huge milestone for us because in five months, we got to 10,000 users. And uh, we are at three digit lower three digit MRR. Uh, not bad, but definitely the conversions are not like regular SaaS. But uh, we do believe that we are still early and we need to, you know, fine tune the next set of feature implementation so that we get to ideal product market fit and get more growth. Yeah. That's that's actually a pretty cool story, basically. So like uh, coming out from that particular uh, what to say that idea, like how you guys implemented it, it's really nice. And see, like even though, uh, as you said, like the idea idea like okay idea is not new but still like implementation actually matters and like we are never thinking okay we can make use of ai to build this kind of new so like mm. that conversion is really great so uh over to my next uh question so like regarding the business value proposition of this kind of uh models or use cases like in terms of efficiency, savings, and profit, do you think that the NLP applications are actually up to the mark when you compare with other applications? Hmm. Very interesting point. Um, because a regular SaaS and AI SaaS, especially NLP SaaS, has few problems. Regular SaaS, let's say there's an independent developer, he can he or she can launch it for thirty or forty dollars. And there are no huge operating costs. Whereas in NLP, you need to host the model. There are some serverless inferences that are promised, but still that's a gray area and still not solved fully. So at the end of the day, you are looking at higher operating costs. That's for sure. So when it comes to higher operating costs, one thing is that you burn money easily when you're trying to get to product market fit or offering value uh, why i mean by that what i mean by that is that even if you fine tune something and you later realize that that's not up to the mark then you lost both time in model training the compute costs uh, and also the integration costs on the front end right whereas when it comes to other features they just do front end back end and done the feature is implemented here you have to do front and back end model training and everything then it's done then you'll realize maybe that feature is not greatly appreciated or you'll realize that the fine-tuned model is not good enough than previous so because of these reasons there are significant challenges from the nlp side or the ai SaaS side cost wise training wise and other things then there comes the other side which is most non-technical people kind of, uh, you know, who are not actually AI developers will look, try to have a comparison with humans, whether they accept it or not. It depends on every individual, but the human baseline is always there. 
because whenever I for question uh, I, I show this app most people like ask all these complex questions which is right now in our system whenever there is a wrong answer check we also give the explanation can you provide that uh, we have six levels of complexity in generating questions uh, that's what our teachers are trained on can you do that so uh, nothing wrong with them uh, it's it's what their internal systems are and ea could deliver or could not deliver it's up to us so i think there is a there are two pieces to this puzzle one is you have to choose apps and uh, you know applications where the delta is not significantly necessary for example <clears throat> when it comes to super meme you don't really need to come to human level performance or something like that maybe they can just click on generate 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 four or five times and you get some postable meme that could do the job sometimes right so you need to find applications that require that don't require high levels of complexity for example like in medical records identifying things and other uh, unless you don't need that kind of complexity uh, i mean in order to operate easily you need to pick domains where the co error cost is lower it's just content creation or something like that i mean it could be even other use cases but error cost should be lower not like airline you have some problem and it's an issue things like that right and uh, the other part is that just as an individual or team try to pick minimum level of features that require uh, least cost to implementation because simply put if you just give me enough compute I will have one summarization model, I'll have some question generation model, I'll have some question answering module, then I'll have some sentence transformer model, I'll combine all these things and build my first question generation app, which is which will have a lot of filters, etc. So that high quality is maintained. But I cannot host all these four serverlessly and incur thousand dollars bill. So I need to cut corners. So it, these are the challenges. Yeah. True, true. I, I can understand that pain point actually. <laughs> so uh, regarding the deployment and production and uh, you mentioned about the MLOps, uh, which is currently in place. So like uh, how effective is MLOps at this point actually and how, how we can actually try to improve in the new and new use cases? Hmm. Um, I think there are quite a lot of tools in the recent times that uh, you know came up for MLOps, uh, apps, funding as well quite a lot of startups um, I do think uh, there are a few challenges one is those companies who are offering serverless GPU either they have a cold start of five to seven seconds that is the biggest they are working on which is reducing the cold start then there are other companies so the cold start is a problem for production apps I cannot rely on that uh, that's one Second thing is those who are not offering cold start, they are trying to do faster inference on CPU. That means instead of PyTorch, either you are using Rust-based uh, Rust based compiler and faster inference there, or you are using other optimizations on top of that, Onyx conversions and other things. Uh, and 
you are building that still maybe sometimes it's faster enough but cpu inference might be slower for applications like text generation etc then there are third level of companies which actually give fractional gpu so they divide the gpu let's say 12 gb gpu into 4 gb fractions and rent out that thing so that you can avoid cold start and keep the cost low but from my experience trying out at least five or six companies in this space none of them solve the problem directly for me that means either the cold start is a problem or this fractional gpu implementation is to such a point that sometimes uh, services are un unavailable so i have production outage things like that so in the end um, so regular ml apps has quite a lot of things beyond deployment you need monitoring you need you know data drift and other things but to be honest for for a micro SaaS like me i don't need all those complexities all i need is just deployment at the moment so let's just now narrow down MLOps to deployment inference part just for our understanding sake. So these are the challenges that I faced and uh, none of them actually solved like, like a lot of them are attempt to do it because scalability is a problem faster inference for text generation models especially is a problem because BERT etc. I can understand if you're doing classification fairly sub-second etc. you can get on CPU or even sub millisecond and all those things but text generation is complex complex right because first of all transformer grows uh, exponentially with length and that's why if you have to take in some block of text and generate summary or anything else it's a quite complex process and faster inference is really a problem so there are quite a lot of companies on MLOps uh, that are trying to solve this but I do think there is still a gap uh, because a few months back I was looking at just containerizing dockerizing a GPU inference for GPU inference a model and there were no resources proper resources at all I had to find what's the ideal configuration of CUDNN and other things and put together a docker container even for GPU inference and I released a video on hugging face on GPU inference on my YouTube channel. But nevertheless, whenever I explored deeper, there were challenges all the time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, so like I so mainly in, in my place, workplace and stuff like we mainly use these uh, paid services like Azure, Amazon. So we are not understanding that much pain actually, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, yeah. well put because see I cannot afford $400 GPU so for a, for a big company they can do that in a way I have to innovate or find a way uh, some way or the other either this or fine tune GPT-3 and host the fine tune model or some other thing so that I bring down the cost quite a lot yeah even the model size and everything matters right when it comes to the absolutely yeah right so my last question uh, for today so like according to you like what is the future of nlp applications like looking at the range of applications which we have currently and where it's actually being progressing hmm. um i put my bets on multi model 
AI by multimodal AI I mean combining both image and text for example DALI combined with GPT-3 and doing other things the only reason is that we as humans whatever we do it's a sensory thing for us right we combine our speech text vision and everything that we see and do some action in the real world and uh, most of the when you take something like video etc youtube video etc it's not just about the visual it's not just about the text what they are speaking combined with the video then if you want to really achieve or get closer to human level performance we need to get closer to multimodal a i mean solving that or getting uh, to up to the mark of human level performance or trying to do that so i what i see is that the future would be when these large language models get to the point that they can take multimodal input and generate multimodal outputs then i think we can do significant progress and i do think it's kind of headed there where right now you have dali independently and gpt3 independently but sooner or later maybe we could do encoding of a video or things like that into a vector in a multimodal space where you combine both text and video and other things so you can do for example semantic search or videos uh, and complex things uh, or build you know video editing apps that are complex uh, things like that once multimodal ai progresses so that's what i am looking forward to and uh, whenever these apis are available i'll find uh, some interesting applications and try to build on top of that yeah that's 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 cool to know actually so yeah so that covers all my questions for today and uh, thank you thank you ramshri for giving such a great insight on all these aspects and it has been a great uh, piece of information like regarding how you were approaching these kind of problems and how you are actually putting everything into production so uh, i hope like our listeners actually will get such a good uh, clarity regarding like if at all like if someone is actually getting into this field of building saas based application using ai and nlp because most of the people will be having a fear to actually jump into this right. because uh, there there is a ambiguity in this one actually but uh, like you have actually explained like what all what all things are possible and what's not so yeah this this has been a really really big inspiration to all and uh, thank you thank you very much ramsey for this talk actually thanks a lot deepak for hosting me it's my pleasure and uh, great to interact and chat awesome